Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and boy, oh boy, we are got a lot to talk about. We were going to talk about offensive and defensive line camp battles, but we decided to just target defensive linemen for today because it could get kind of uh, complex or long if we were to tackle both sides of the line. So we'll talk about the defensive linemen. We'll talk about the controversy of the uh, missed OTA that because the NFL – suspended the players for uh suspended the bears for this one practice we'll get the lowdown on that and all of gr the great advice and tips and information from greg gabriel greg how are you my friend i am doing good good you look good did you have a workout this morning i have a workout almost every morning <laughs> you never miss one huh <laughs> well no i i five to six days a week i took mm -hmm. off yesterday I had to take my wife to the airport yesterday early. She's in Vegas, huh? Yeah, she's in Vegas. Uh, she, she got, <laughs> last night I sent her a text. I go, it's 109 where you are. It's 54 here. And her, <laughs> Bring back some of that heat, but uh, uh, not all uh, of it. <laughs> I, and she called me this morning. She goes, I'm never coming here again. Now, our, our, our former neighbors moved to Vegas two years ago. Mm -hmm. And they keep, you know, and, and she's going to stay with them for a couple of days while she's out there. And, and, you know, they love it and they'd love us to move out there. But my wife does not like heat like that. And I, I you know, 100, it's 108, 109. It's, it's really the hot. It's been the hottest they've had so far this year. Yeah. But, it, but it's dry heat. You know, yesterday I said, Robin, it's 108 degrees, but there's 8% humidity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're in, you know, that it, it would be hotter in Miami at 90 than it is 108 in, in, in uh, Vegas. Does she, does she golf? No. Okay. Cause I was going to say, if she golfs, to just get an early tea time and, uh, and that problem is cured. Right. Uh, I, I know a lot of people who live in that Vegas area and uh, the golfing can get problemsome when uh, they set up a tea time for noon. <laughs> it gets a little hot. Well, yeah, I, 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 God, this was years ago now. I, I was in Phoenix for about a week, and I wanted to play golf, and, and they said, tee off early. So, I mean, I teed off at 6 o'clock in the morning, but but I, I get up early. That's not a big deal going out that early for me. Yeah. When I uh, played a lot of golf, uh, I was uh, among the first teeing off as the sun is coming over the horizon. There were a couple of times, actually, I teed off in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> because we I used to go when I was a member of Strawberry Creek, which is Jay Hilgenberg's club mm -hmm. up in, in uh, Kenosha. I used to go out there about six thirty, quarter to seven. Mm -hmm. I'd be the first person to tee off. I'd get in the card. I'd play 18 holes in less than two hours. That's the way to play golf. That is and, and I'd be and then I got all day to do what I want to do, and mm -hmm. I got a round of golf in. Wow. I love it. I love it. So let's uh, talk to something else that we love, the Chicago Bears. And, of course, the one of the big news stories coming out of Hallis Hall was that Tuesday. One of the big news stories is, is, is that this guy from the Sun-Times got hammered yesterday. Yeah, what was that all about? I saw your your tweet on that. Uh, is th th that guy was from the Sun-Times. I, I, I forgot his name. I don't even know. I've never heard of it. Froelig? 
Froley. I, I, I don't know who he is. I never heard of him, mm-hmm. but I guess he, he, I don't even know if he was at the OTA, but he commented on the video clip that came out of Justin Fields throwing to Bayless Jones. And he said, boy, he needs some work in the weight room. He sure looks small. He said Bayless or Justin? Yeah. No, Bayless. Okay. And, and, and like hundreds jumped all over this poor guy that he took down his account. I guess he blocked a score of them and then took down his account. You know, I mean, they hammered him to death. Oh my goodness. And you know what? Rightfully so, because it was a poor take. Yeah. Welcome to Chicago, whoever you are. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, he, supposedly somebody said he's worked for the Sun Times for 16 years, but I've never heard of him. So maybe oh he does. Goodness. Wa- washing the uh, tubs or something, <laughs> cleaning the bathrooms. I don't know. Well, okay. So let's talk about this OTA issue, um, which, uh, of course, Matt Eberflus addressed. And for those of you who have not heard, the Bears were suspended for one OTA. They missed out on an OTA. This was Tuesdays because a players' union representative uh, weeks ago uh, noticed some infractions that were against the CBA, players being pushed to the ground and so forth. And so they alerted the Chicago Bears. And then when they requested tape of subsequent practices, they saw that things had not been corrected to their taste. And so there was a suspension on that. Uh, Greg, you told me. Well, let me let me play Eberflus uh, 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 first, saying not a big deal. I don't. I don't actually see it as a big deal. What I do see, though, is this: as, as I see that our team, our football team, has to be able to adjust, adapt, and overcome, and pivot in situations. So, you know, how we handle this situation was awesome, because our guys like, okay, that's fine, boom, and then pivot to the next day, and boom, and go. And that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to do that to win games. And that's what I was excited about. So adversity is going to come. It's how you deal with it that matters. You buying that? No. As usual, people want to make much to do about nothing. Mm -hmm. Here's reality. They still have two more practices than all the other teams in the NFL that don't have a new coach Mm -hmm. because they had the extra mini camp. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, in May. And that's when this happened. It happened at, at, at the opening minicamp. Mm-hmm. When I was there, we got we never got lost a day of OTAs, but we um, got a couple letters of reprimand, calm it down. And what happens is the league and or the union, and sometimes both on the same day, Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll send a guy to watch practice and it's unannounced. All of a sudden he's there. Okay. You know, you know, he walks in the door in the morning. I'm here from the NFLPA. I'm here from the national football league. I want to watch practice, you know, and you got to let them watch it. They sit there and they, they take notes. And in these OTAs and in the mini camp, you're not allowed any contact. Theoretically, you're not allowed to lay your finger on anybody, mm-hmm. which means, and, and, and most of the time, Eldo, this happens with the uh, with the wide receivers and the DBs. Mm-hmm. And if probably if you want to put a fault, you know, because the linemen don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You, know, <laughs> you know, they're not allowed to. Right. So, you know, you're not really allowed to jam a guy in press coverage mm-hmm. because that's context. Well, you get in the heat of the moment 
and and you're lining up in press coverage and instead of just you know playing really more of an off type coverage you know it, it's instinctive that you want to jam the guy and reroute him and everything else and that's what happens so you know i've seen plays when i was there where a guy catches the pass over the middle and he gets tackled mm-hmm. you know it, again it, it and it's not that you're trying to hurt the guy right it, it it's an instinctive thing with football players. And, and another thing, you know, during practice, and especially this was during the lovey years, you know, and, and peanut was there, the defense would constantly try to strip the ball, even in OTAs. And so technically that's breaking the rules mm-hmm. because you're touching the guy on the other side of, of the ball. So, mm-hmm. You know, to me, it, it, it's much to do about nothing. And then they had another thing. A lot of times during OTAs and, and that the veteran mini camp, they go bowling on the last day or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Well, they don't have a practice anyway. So if the media, if, if anybody in the media wants to make a big deal about it, stupid. Yeah. I do think, I mean, he, Eberflus earlier uh, in the, offseason in a press conference when he was addressing a question about pushing and shoving and uh, fights and, and so forth. He said the biggest thing that I tell the players is that it's taking away from practice time. Well, this took a whole practice away. And when you have such a young team, that you're trying to build chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver, between defensive backs and so forth and so on. Any minute that is lost in a practice field is significant and shouldn't just be blown off. That's my take on it. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, but here's the reality of it. Every day during in the off-season program, once they get into that phase, the first phase is it's strictly conditioning. Mm-hmm. They're out on the field. It's not offense against defense. But it's the offense on one side of the field, the defense on one side of the field, you know, go, going over different plays. And you you might have another, you know, when it's the defense on the one side of the field, you might have some of your defensive players running routes, mm-hmm. et cetera. You know, the, really, they haven't missed anything. And like I say, a lot of times uh, teams cut out a day of OTIs or minicamp anyway. Mm-hmm. So – this is the day they were going to go bowling or, or, you know, have a party at the beach or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because the coaches sometimes do that and how they may do it next week for the mini camp anyway, especially if they like what they seen. Yeah. Adeptus says these rules serve established veterans and they fuck bubble players, walk-ons, the guys that need the full contact testing to show that they can make the roster. And so it's interesting that he says that because Justin Jones, a veteran who was acquired from the San Diego Chargers to uh, perhaps a start at that three-tech defensive uh, line position, was asked about it, and uh, this was his response. I know me coming in as a rookie in my second year also, you know, you want to prove yourself any chance you get. So I can't really fault players for going too hard or, or being overly aggressive, you know what I'm saying? Because this is your dream, you know what I'm saying? This is what you came here for. You came here to play football, so once you get the opportunity, you want to show them, show on that stage, like, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. So, you know, when you get penalized for it, I mean, I, I just talk it to the game, honestly, because at the end of the day, like, these guys want to show, like, what they can do. You know, we got we got some really good rookies here, you know, really, really good young guys here who are really good at p- what they do, you know what I'm saying? So, 
So the big, the biggest, the biggest thing was you know guys. Some guys were on the ground, you know, I, I believe, and um, you know, it, and when you're playing O line, D line, like foot traffic happens. I feel like, and with that being said, like you know, some, like I said, sometimes, sometimes it just, it just, it doesn't play in your favor, and that's that's kind of where we got hit. And, it, and it's like I said, it's okay, it's okay. Talking to the game, nobody got hurt. You know, what I'm saying everybody had a good time, and to just leave it at that. I'm glad to hear him say that. It doesn't seem like a big deal after hearing him uh, uh, sharing right. that. It's, I, I can tell you, before there was, quote, OTAs, and, and you had, you know, it was just the beginning of, of having, this goes back in the 80s when I was with the Giants, and you'd have, you know, a mini camp. You'd have a rookie mini camp and a regular mini camp, and you had your off-season program, and there was no real rules. Mm-hmm. So some teams were having full-fledged practices, except without pads. Other teams were just working offense and other teams, just whatever. But and, until the rules came into play, you know, teams basically did whatever the hell they want. And I remember we had a rookie minicamp and the defensive line coach back then under Parcells was a guy by the name of Lamar Leachman, who I think is now passed. And Lamar was one of the best defensive line coaches I'd ever been around. And he would rile up his players now this is rookie minicamp. There, you know, mm-hmm. the, the draft was the week before, and we had one-on-ones pass rush with no pads, no helmets, <laughs> and these defensive guys would knight the dog shit out of the offensive players because <laughs> you know, Lamar would rile them up so much. Oh, that is fantastic. Sounds like uh, when I played uh, football over at Humble Park, we said, oh, we're going to play tag. And by the middle of the game, people were just flat out knocking each other to the the grass. That was awesome. All right. uh, Before we start uh, looking at the defensive linemen in this camp, I wanted to ask you about these trade rumors regarding DK Metcalf. Do you think these are silly? Do you think that there's anything to to follow here? Uh. (laughs) <laughs> not going to happen. Not in a million years. And Seattle, and why is that? Seattle, Seattle, hey, I'll tell you what. I, I'd love to see DK Metcalf here. He grew up right down the street. Mm-hmm. When you come over later, I'll show you where. <laughs> but, he, you know, he, he lived there when his dad was with the Bears. Mm-hmm. I think they moved in there in, in like, 05. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was a little kid then. And and you never knew, and then seeing him running around as a little kid, that he's going to turn out to the star mm-hmm. that he is. But he, um, Seattle does, they're trying to negotiate a contract, mm-hmm. and he's doing what he can. The, the only thing he can do is hold out. Unfortunately for him, they, they changed the rules under the CBA mm-hmm. that you, you don't show up to minicamp, you get fined. And it used to be you know, the teams could rescind the fines. You get a deal done and they throw the fine away. You can't even do that anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, unless it's a, um, you know, forgiven absence and that you had permission to to miss it. Like, you know, Baker Mayfield's not going to the Cleveland mini camp, but he has permission from the club not to do it. So he doesn't get a fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Seahawks have already said, Metcalf, this is, you know, he's doing this on his own. So he gets a fine that cannot be rescinded and it isn't cheap. Yeah. So uh, besides that, there's the issue of compensation. If the bears were even interested in entertaining 
acquiring DK Metcalf. I mean, we're talking multiple draft picks and then bringing in a player who is going to disrupt the salary structure on this team, right? Well, I, I don't think the salary structure has a, a lot to do with it, except now, given what receivers are getting, you're talking probably north of $20 million a year. Right, more than Christian Kirk, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that guy screwed up the wide receiver market big time. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it, that's just not what Ryan Poles has – I'm not going to say he's not going to do it in the future. I, I almost guarantee he's going to do it in the future. Mm-hmm. Not what he's got as a mindset for 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think he wants to find out. And, and Coach Flus is the same way. Really find out what they have. Uh, you know, Metcalf. He's a good deep receiver, but he has limitations. Mm-hmm. And people aren't going you know, to want to know that. He he is a little stiff on his hips. Now go back to, you know, when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of negatives about him. And his time, well, he had great straight line speed. His agility times were horrendous, especially for a guy who had that, that kind of straight line speed. It's because he's tight in the hips. So there's some routes that he's just not good at doing. Right. So, but Seattle just takes those, they don't let him do it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he, he he's good at certain things. Now, could he play X in this offense? Absolutely. Because that, you know, that that's, I, I think the offenses were similar and what they had the X receiver do. He can do that. But I just think there's no way in hell that Seattle is going to let this guy get away. It's not like Russell Wilson was over 30 years old right? and, and wanted out. This is a young player still. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Jordan asked, well, since uh, DK isn't going to happen, can you talk about Metcalf's dad? Terrence? Terrence. What about him? <laughs> Ter- Terrence is a good guy. <laughs> good guy? I, you like Terrence him? Oh, yeah. Terrence is a good guy. And, and I mean, a good football player, too. Mm-hmm. Big dude. Um Played at Ole Miss. Uh, he was got. I think he had one injury when he was at Ole Miss, and it affected him for a while. But a big guy. He was like a three hundred and twenty-five pound guard. Oh wow! I didn't realize he was that big. Oh yeah, he was huge. Which is funny because you know I've I've, I've seen his wife, and now you know you see Terrence and you see his wife, and then you go, "Oh, DK, come out like that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> it happens somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's turn our attention to the defensive linemen. When um, when you look at this group overall, uh, Greg, what's your feeling at this early stage of the season? Uh, do you think that we've got the weapons necessary to pressure quarterbacks and to help stop the run? Oh, the edge? Without question. The edge is good. The edge is very good. Uh, you know, you've got Quinn who's mm-hmm. going to line up at one end and, and, and Flus likes to rotate. And if you mm-hmm. go look at what they did at, at, at um, Indianapolis, mm-hmm. except for uh, Buckner and he played in rotation too, except he rotated less than other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost on a 50, 50 rotation. So, you know, you, you've got at least four guys that can play the edge and you've got, you know, they brought in and gave some money to Al-Qadim Muhammad, who played for Flus. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, I'm going to 
I got something in my mind about that one that I think could happen. I'm just not 100% sure. Okay. They drafted Dominique Robinson. He's a project. I mean, he was a wide receiver for a good part of his college career. Got bigger. He, he's got the traits to excel. But I don't think, you know, to me, you're going to see him as a special teams player this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got Gibson, Muhammad, yeah, yeah, Quinn, uh, Etta Ochu, mm-hmm. uh, who has been mostly a stand-up outside linebacker, but is a pass rusher, has had some pretty good pass. You know, to play in a rotation, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got uh, Snowden, who to me is a question mark, only because I don't know if he's going to be able to get big enough mm. to be able to play. Yeah, he was about 245. He's a real tall long, lean guy. He's very athletic. I think he's stronger than he looks for a size, but he's got a narrow frame. Mm. And whether he can play defensive end in this scheme and hold the point, be able to play the run, you know, we're going to find that out in in August. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know that now. But athletically, he's a really good fit. Now, the one thing I think could happen in pass rush situations is I would not be shocked to see, and I'm, I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. I, you know, it is um, Muhammad play inside zone in pass rush. Mm-hmm. He's not a big guy. He's about 260 pounds, but in pass rush, in pass rush situations, there's a lot of teams that have been doing that. Put a smaller guy inside. He really creates a lot of problems for guards because they just can't block a real quick, fast guy. And Muhammad is a quick, fast guy. So it wouldn't shock me, because I, I don't think they have the answer right now at the three. Mm. When, when, and I, now, I, I, if they sign somebody, and I'll get into that in a minute, okay. Joby was the answer, no question. He was right. an ideal guy. But he had a list, Frank fracture in his in his foot flunked the physical and they weren't going to go through on the contract now i don't think you know polls or something polls said a while ago like he didn't rule out trying to bring him back big said well i don't think that's going to happen it's never happened before right. well, just because it's never happened before doesn't mean it can't happen exactly. guys looking for the guys looking for a job yep so even though he might not get the deal he had mm-hmm he might, you know, it, it really depends. But nobody's going to sign him until he can pass physical. Right. And right. that's the problem. And right now, nobody signed him. Right. Do you think you he's know, taking physicals uh, with other teams? Or do you think that maybe his agent has said, we're not going to do anything until this thing gets remedied on its own or re- through rehab or whatever? You know, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. You know, I, I know that there's been players from the Jets – pushing him to go to the Jets, but I don't know if the Jets want him yet. You know, I mean, again, you don't want to sign a guy that you know is going to miss part of a season or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a given. And I think that was the – I don't know this for sure, but I think that's what the problem was here. Mm-hmm. I said, wait a minute. The, I mean, yeah, it's a list Frank, list Frank fracture, but it's, you know, to what degree? And, you know, some are worse than others. Right. You know, right. so, um, 
And I think that's what it was. Let's try. I might be wrong. It might be a Jones fracture or something, but I know it was one of those name things. But he, um, and I know the doctors here, and they're not going to flunk a guy unless, especially a veteran that has production, mm-hmm. unless unless it's pretty bad. Yeah. So regarding that three tech, um, this was Justin Jones talking about the importance of the position you've you've told us many times now what the importance of that position is to this defense let's hear uh justin's take the three technique is, 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 is the penetrator he's the he's the anchor of the defense you, you if you don't have disruption from that three technique the defense doesn't work you don't you don't set the edge from that three technique it, the defense doesn't work so we, we, we're going to do is we're going to the field we're knocking guys back we're being aggressive we're being disruptive we're making plays in the backfield we're having fun together partying at the quarterback that's what it is like having that responsibility? I do. I do. I wake up every day in the morning. I wake up every day thinking about that. He was also asked if, as a follow-up to that, how much of a fit he was for that scheme. Just that penetrating, you know, three technique, get off the ball, and uh, really, really just effort. And that's kind of the staple of my game. I feel like, you know, really just getting getting around, flying around, making tackles and making plays and being disruptive is kind of like my game. So, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel like I fit in. I feel like I'm at home in this game. And, you know, the guys I'm around also helped me along as well. You know, obviously learning the plays and everything and, and making sure that, you know, we're all on the same page at all times on every down. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Now, you immediately, when, when the signing was announced, you immediately praised it and said that this guy could, could probably handle uh, the starter's role at that position, right? Right. But, you know, you watch all the tape, and everything he said was 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, but in watching his game, he's more, and he can penetrate and he can be disruptive. There's no question. But, I don't know if he's quite the pass rusher that you want. That's why I, I think Mario Edwards is going to play a big role in this thing too, mm-hmm. because he is a very good interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And what what Jones does best is stop the run. Mm-hmm. Now he, he's athletic. I, I would not be a bit surprised that, you know, I think he played at, at San Diego to run 305, 308, mm-hmm. that, you know, we've talked about this before, the, the, the strength program that Jimmy Arthur has taken over for the Bears, it, a lot of it's based on percentage of body fat that they get weights involved, but it's really percentage of body fat. They get him down under three uh, under 300 and as he drops four or five percent and body fat and that automatically he's going to get a little bit quicker mm-hmm. uh, because he's going to be leaner. Um does he have the skills? Yeah, no, no question. But you just didn't see it on, a, you know, the pass rush ability on a consistent basis. Now they and they rotated it in. Uh, I was going to say San Diego and L.A. Um, <laughs> just like they're going to do here. But you know, he fits the beginning. It wouldn't shock me if they had. You know, you see in some sub situations that you have Edwards and Muhammad inside, mm. and Quinn and Gibson outside, mm-hmm. and that'd be a bitch line to they have to block. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> as far as you know, pass blocking, mm-hmm. you might be able to run on them, but yeah. you know, because you're going to be a little light inside. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as getting after the quarterback, they'll be able to do it. Yeah, um, Coach Eberflus was asked about. 
uh, does he have any concerns uh, for Justin Jones in making the change from the Chargers defense to the Bears defense? No, I think it's going to be pretty easy for them because they played a lot of what I call under front, so they set their three technique away from the, the tight end. So he's been playing some three techniques. So that, that to me, uh, that's why we really recruited him and brought him here is because we saw the visual uh, uh, evidence on tape that he could do the spot. You know, so he's done a good job with it. It's in a takeoff position. I think it lends to his athletic ability, and he's just going to get better and better and better. So I didn't really see the jump because it was a 3-4 system. A lot of those guys are in under defense. So we really saw it on tape when we recruited him. So. Well, that's encouraging, and uh, it was interesting that he says that they lined up uh, with the Chargers. They lined them up away from the tight end. So, is that a key for the three tech? Is that you try to get them away from as much traffic as possible? Well, it, it, it's might versus the strong side, and, and your nose tackle, who is not a true nose in this thing, he's right. not. He's very seldom playing over the center. Mm-hmm. He's usually in the uh, in in the gap, the guard center gap, mm-hmm. and the three technique is in the guard tackle gap on the other side. Now Jones, if you go back and you look at Chargers tape. He played a lot of that three technique. He also played the other defensive tackle, you know, which would be you know the nose or the one technique for for really lack of a better term because that's where they mostly line up mm-hmm. interesting um Dwayne Corey has a question here uh and and keep firing your questions folks I'll be collecting them and 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 send them to Greg here shortly <clears throat> but uh, Greg says if you follow Quinn's career he's destined to have a down year this year because he kind of goes up and down uh is it's a historical pattern should the Bears consider moving him they would have moved him already if that was the case. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe in that. Oh, he has an up, up, up year, so now you're going to have a down year. I, I think, um, you know, that that's circumstance or happenstance. Yeah. Uh, since wait, his, the way he played last year, there's no reason why he, he shouldn't have it again, that, a, a similar type year. This year, he take, he's known for taking care of his, his body. Um, you know, he stays away from some of these off-season programs be, because he doesn't want the wear and tear of having to go through a practice every day. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he, he, that, right? <laughs> you know, he, he's, uh, you know, but he takes excellent, excellent care, you know, of his body. You know, and, and if you recall, his, um, his sister – won a medal in the Olympics last year. Yes. You know, so he's got to, he's got to keep up with the family now. I mean, you got, mm-hmm. you, um, pre- you got pressure there when, when family pressure. It's the same thing I said about equanimous uh, St. Brown. Mm-hmm. His younger brother came into the league last year, had 90 catches. And I guarantee you, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll die with this thought. Equanimous St. Brown is a, better athlete and more naturally talented than his brother. And his brother caught 90 balls last year. Wow. Look at that. I've studied, I've studied both over, you know, mm-hmm. over years. Now his brother might be a little better competitor, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the talent. He's not mm-hmm. as fast. He's not as big. He's not as explosive. 
You hear that, Don Burr of the Lions fans there? <laughs> I'm sure he's going to write something up nasty. We've been asked about uh, Angelo Blackson and what your thoughts are of his, of his uh, I believe uh, the uh, writers asked if, uh, do you anticipate Blackson having a big year? I think he will play in a rotation you're going to have the inside guys are going to be Blackson, Edwards, Jones, and, and probably Tonga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now there, there's nobody else. I mean, you got, you got a guy who's been on the practice squad, uh, locale London, who's from uh, what Illinois state. There's a, uh, who knows what he is. Mm-hmm. You know, so right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think Blackson can play that one technique in this scheme. You know, he's got some quickness. He's got some inside pass rush. I don't think he can play the three. Now, it wouldn't shock me. And, and, and some of this is going to depend on, on how the front office and the coaching staff feel when they get done with the offseason program in another week. Mm-hmm. They go out and, and bring in another guy. And there are some guys on the street. Number one is Ogunjobi still there, but part of that is he's got to be able to pass the physical. Mm-hmm. The next guy that that really can play the three without a problem, very talented, but do they want him? Is Sheldon Richardson? Mm. Okay, uh, who was with uh, Minnesota last year? He's with a first. He was a first round pick with the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to play. He's a MF to block. Yeah, he's a load. I don't, know, load. If he, I, I don't know if he always wants to play, but athletically he fits that that three technique. Then there's a guy who <clears throat> used to be here, then went to Detroit. Now he's on the street again, Nick Williams. Oh, big Nick. And, and Nick's an athletic guy who plays hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that That's a guy th- that's out there. Um Malik Jackson was Cleveland last year. He fits the bill of being able to play that. Now, some of these guys are, you know, they're not going to, they're not difference makers, Mm -hmm. but can they challenge for a spot? Mm -hmm. You know, because do they have the the right people in here? And then there was one other name I put, but he's coming off an injury. And that is uh, Darius Fillon, who, had he was with the Raiders last year. I think it was originally with Denver. He tore in the last game of the year. He tore his patellar tendon. Mm-hmm. And you know, I did. You know, I know about the injury. I didn't know how long the rehab is. In fact, right before we did the show, I looked up the rehab. And so, for normal people, it's six, seven months. Mm-hmm. So he he got hurt first week of January. So. You know, that six months is up, you know, in, in another few weeks. So is he ready to play yet? You know, who knows? Mm. You know, you'd, ha- you'd have to bring him in for a workout, put him through a physical, et cetera, and, and see if he's good to go. The uh, Nomad asked about Linville Joseph, who uh, we Chicago Bears fans know very well because he's uh, of his years with the Minnesota Vikings, a big defense. Not in this defense. Not in this defense. He's not a fit. No. Mm-hmm. No. You got to uh, find. You got to find guys that 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 are fit for the scheme. And Linville, yeah, he last year he was a fit. Mm-hmm. 
eight and out of fifth this year. Hmm. Um, all right. And let me ask you about uh, Nomad's uh, question about uh, how deep are we currently with this roster on potential three techs? I think that's a good question because there's, uh, there's two right now that I can see. Right. And that, that, that's Jones and Mario Edwards. Right. And like I said, that, that's why it wouldn't shock me that in some sub package mm-hmm. situations, one of those outside guys and probably Mohammed mm-hmm. could move inside. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jordan says that uh, Tonga and Blackson are your two interior, two eyes. Uh, Justin Jones and Edwards are your three techs. That that appears to be the way they're going to run on this. What about Tonga's uh, effectiveness in playing a four three after playing the three four? You have any concerns with that? Well, you know, I I, I don't think he's an ideal fit, but there's one thing about him that you like for well, a couple things. Number one, he's an all-out competitor. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you look at his tape at, at BYU. Uh, he's a lot bigger, heavier, and he's probably another guy they, they've taken off pounds. He played at over 330 pounds last year, mm-hmm. you know, which is – who's he? Be? He'd be like – I guess if you wanted to have a comp, but he's, he's a lot bigger right now, it's, it's Spice Adams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you get him down to 315, 320, and Spice was the guy who played that, you know, Tommy Harris was the three, and Spice was the, uh, you know, the one technique. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was able to do it. Now, we had one guy who played, and he played pretty good. He played some three, and he played some, some one. Remember Alfonso Boone? Oh, yes. And he was, you know, he was the uh, anomaly, so to speak. He, you know, he's about three twenty, mm-hmm. but very, very athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're getting some uh, agreement with uh, the uh, fact of Mary Edwards uh, potentially being a terror at the three tech position. Uh, he might end up playing more snaps than Justin Jones at that position. We will see. No, uh, I, like I say, I think it's going to be a fifty fifty split. Only mm-hmm. based on on what Flus did last year or the last few years in Indianapolis. Mm. We were talking about uh, Snowden earlier, and Cornelius asked a question: Would you try Snowden at middle linebacker to be kind of an Erlacher type player? It's too no, tall. No, never, no, first of all, in, in, in this defense, mm-hmm. it's about speed, quickness, and suddenness at those two at, at the mic and the will. Okay. Okay, he's fast. There's no question about that. But he doesn't have that suddenness that you want out of Mike. And he's never played it. Right. He's played out. He's he's played outside. You know his whole career. And and you look at him. You know, I, I use the term, and he fit, he fits it too. See, his arms are so long he can tie his shoes without bending over. <laughs> I, I, you know, he's I'll got really good length. And you know that, that's not what you want inside yeah but but you have seen transitions for certain players uh, who have moved from a different to to a different position without a lot of experience i mean big cat williams uh you know the list is is long but he just doesn't seem like a athletic fit at all right right and, and like brian erlacher don't forget when they drafted him they played him outside yeah that's right he was, he was a sam linebacker 
And he looked like a bust. And that, he, yeah, he looked awful. And then they moved him inside and it was fine. And part of it had to do with he was a safety at, at New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So he was in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really how it might sound stupid, but it's how you see the game. And you mm-hmm. see the game differently from the middle than you do from the outside. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, yesterday, the uh, Bears started f- for their practice uh, Braxton Jones at the left tackle position. What can we or should we or should we not read into that? Nothing. <laughs> you know what? Right after the draft and at, at the beginning of OTAs, they said that's exactly what they're going to do. Yep. They were going to shuffle guys around and, and find out if, if they could actually play certain areas. Right. And, and they probably – you know, the media was at that, that one, that particular practice. They only mm-hmm. see one out of the three. You know, they had three practices each week, and they only get to see one out of the three. It, there's probably been a lot of shuffling going on that they never saw. Mm-hmm. You know, good. so I wouldn't be a bit surprised if, if Borum and or Jenkins is played inside. Mm-hmm. To see yeah. it, see if they have the capability to play inside. I was speculating that uh, yesterday with a friend of mine. Um, at, at the risk of being redundant, this is exactly what uh, Eberflus talked about yesterday. We said, hey, we're going to move guys around and shift guys around. So it's a halfway point for us, right? So, you know, we had six practices, and then we got six or seven to go at that point when we made the switch, and we wanted to change combinations. And that's not the only combinations we've changed, you know, from tackle, you know, tackle, tackle. We've moved some receivers around. Some guys are playing X, some guys are playing Z. We, you know, adjusted some guys on the defensive line. So we've done those things just to really find out, have a true evaluation of what's the best fit for us going forward in the training camp. Uh, we might like the other combination. We might like this combination. We might not like, you know, either one of them. Now let's go to the one here in training camp. So we'll we'll figure out what the best thing is. And that's really just more information for the coaches to find out the best what's best for the Bears. It's almost word for word what you just said. Yeah, I, it, it it this is practice. I mean, it's not even practice. It's it, it because there's no hitting. So this is what this is when you got time to do this stuff. Yeah, you're installing your offense and you're installing your defense, but mm-hmm. a lot of that's the terminology. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you know, as, as far as as where guys line up in in this outside zone scheme, you're not gonna they're not gonna be anywhere near as big as they were last year. I saw somebody said you know there was an interview of Cody White here in the city. He looks like he uh, lost ten pounds, and and you know they said they're gonna. Paul said he wants these guys lighter. And then the first thing that came to my mind, it's not about the weight. It's about body fat mm-hmm. and percentage yeah. of body fat. And they're going to be assigned a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. And if they weigh five pounds more than their assigned weight, but their body fat is fine, mm-hmm. then it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because just yesterday on the Mac and Reed show, they were talking about you know, the players coming in and – uh, and they, the way they phrased it, uh, Ross Reed phrased, uh, phrased it in better shape. Uh, and that uh, it might not be the exact correct way to to say it. Uh, it's just that they're leaner. And what you have been preaching uh, is to make sure that they're not losing power, uh, that they are getting faster and quicker because that's what this outside zone uh, offense requires from the offensive lim- linemen. But you 
uh, expressed a concern several episodes ago that you don't want to get these guys into a position where they can no longer set the edge with uh, and, and handle bull rushers. Right. No, it, it's uh, you want to increase strength and power, lose fat, mm. so you have good weight. That I'd like to do too. <laughs> um, Jordan, it ain't has, easy, little, the old <laughs> tell me about it. Uh, Jordan has a question uh, Do you believe uh, defensive coordinator Alan Williams and by extension, Flus rotate both Eddie Jackson and Brisker to keep defenses guessing or strictly move Brisker down into the box? And this defense, you don't see the safeties down on the box that much. Mm hmm. You know, can you? Yeah, but do you? No, they're 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 mostly deep. Now that they might do some mixing up again. I've said this before too, that where Lovey's defense was, and I hate the word Tampa too because it says it's a predominantly zone defense. And when it started out, that's where it was mm -hmm. because in Tampa they didn't have the the guys who could play press man mm -hmm. and. But it, it really, you play to the strengths of your players. Mm -hmm. And if you've got guys who can play press man, that's what you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to still mix it up and throw in some zone. But Flus does a lot more with the scheme than Lovey ever did. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember I've said Lovey's one-on-one and, and Flus is 303 or maybe 404. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I do think that there is going to be a myriad, you said it, uh, that it's not exclusively a cover two. And so we'll probably we'll see Brisker in the box because that's one of his strengths, his tackling. And, uh, and, is not, and as we've got reports that he's been very adept at the peanut punch and creating turnovers and stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, Brisker playing in that box more often than, than anticipated. Well, you, you know, go put some Indianapolis Colt tape on and see how many times the, the safeties were up close to the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean they're not going to support the run. Sure, sure. You know, it, it just how they line up at the snap and then what they do, what, what you want to do is disguise your what you're doing to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. So the preset reads, the quarterback comes up and he sees where, how the defense is lined up and he's thinking one thing, and then you do something entirely different once the snap of the ball happens. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Dwayne Corey uh, wants to know, how deep was this recent draft? He thinks that it was like combining two or three years of guys available after round three that normally would not have been there. And I, I, I think – Dwayne is right because of the pandemic. There were a lot of players who held out until this most recent draft. So it was a very deep draft, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah. I, the top part of the draft wasn't necessarily right. as good, but the, the depth, your day three was stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, and, and you're going to see that even next year. Guys can get a six year effect. You know, I, I'm doing some work for a, a one of the sports agencies. You know, evaluating some some players for them. So mm -hmm. you know, who to go after, who not to go after. And I did this one player who's going to be a sixth year guy. 
next year. And this will be his fourth year starting. And he, he grad transferred out of the place he was at last year. And I don't want to say the school or the player, sure. but um, my, my first thought was why the hell didn't he come out last year? At worst, he would have been the second round pick, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe he wants to, to, to move up to a first round pick, but, you're going to see that a lot really over the next two years Mm -hmm. because that six-year option is going to go on. Anybody who was on the team during that 20 season Mm -hmm. and either opted out or whatever, they could take a six-year. The Mm -hmm. NCAA gave them an extra, uh, you know, used to play, you know, you had five years to play four. Mm -hmm. Well, now you got six years to play five. You're getting an extra year to play. There you go. All right. Uh, Dwayne has another question. He uh, wants you to evaluate uh, Jeremiah Atoshu. I know you were excited at the signing last season. His season was cut short uh, by injury, but he's still on the roster. Uh, what are your expectations for Actually, him? Actually, when he, when he got to play before he got hurt, he played pretty darn good. He yep. was part of that rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been good as that 3-4 outside backer moving up as a, as a pass rusher. Uh, in in uh, passing situations, so playing the edge, but he's never played strictly the edge that he'd be doing in this scheme. Mm-hmm. And he said so himself the other day. But he also said, excuse me, that he thinks it fit this defense fits his skill set better, even though he's never done it, and and he's had to drop into coverage and stuff before. He said he thinks this fits his skill set even and even more mm-hmm. than all the ways he's been used in, in previous years. You know, that remains to be seen. Guys are always going to speak very positive. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens at camp. But, I, you know, I like the signing when I got him. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't like is I thought he was overdrafted. And I remember having a, a discussion. I was working for National Football Post when he was coming out and uh, Eric Elko and I did a, a podcast um, and Galco thought he was a first round guy. Oh, and really? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, no. <laughs> first rounder. Uh, he's a good player. He just wasn't the first rounder. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, there was a soundbite uh, from Eberflus yesterday that I want to share with you and our listeners. Uh, uh, Mark Potash asked him about. Um, how big of a significance it sounds like a silly question but the response is 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 a good one here how how significant is it when the players put the pads on so you know i've been in this a long time and and i've seen guys man they look great all the way through this part of the year and then the pads come on and they stay on and it's like pad number four or five in training camp and then all of a sudden you see a guy slide it's just because of the physicality of the game you know some guys are, are really suited to that and, and those are the guys who succeed in the NFL. The guys that are not suited to that, they have a harder time, uh, you know, having that you know, long success. How true is that, huh, Greg? That, that's very true. Nobody ever made the team running around in shorts. <laughs> Even though you like, what the, you like what you see. That's right. You know, you go, oh, this guy might, we might have stole one here. You know, you get all excited. And, uh, you, and that's then, funny. Yeah, you, you, you get that early react uh, erection, and then you get the training <laughs> camp, and it becomes limp because they can't hit anybody, or they can't play with pads on. Yeah, right, right. 
Uh, do you recall a player in your past, and perhaps you may not want to mention a name, but I know you. Know. Uh, you know, when when you ask me questions like that, I got I need a day so I can just yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, off the top of my head, no, but yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, guys look great. That's why a perfect example, the combine. And you mm-hmm. see a lot of these draft analysts, oh, he moved up to the first round. Running around? <laughs> he didn't play football. <laughs> he didn't play football at the combine and ran around. <laughs> that is funny. That's right. Uh, I tell you, one of my pet peeves, you know, he <laughs> follows college football. The, the, the ratings, uh, what do you want, recruiting analysts. Mm-hmm. You know, and they a lot of these, you know, they have these camps that go on almost weekly mm-hmm. um, in, in different sections of the country that, you know, Rivals puts on and, and 247 puts on and whatever. Now there's another group called On3. Mm-hmm. You know, and they invite all these kids to come and they show. And, and a lot of times their rating goes up and down based on what they do at those camps. It ain't football. I know. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. They're running around in shorts. So they're showing they're an athlete. Yeah, but can they play football? Carl mm-hmm. Lewis could run real fast, won a lot of gold medals. They couldn't play football. Couldn't play football. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the 49ers signed, signed, remember, Ronaldo Nehemiah? I was just going to mention Ronaldo, the Olympics. Okay. <laughs> Ronaldo could run fast and he could jump far. He couldn't catch a ball. He couldn't. And he couldn't take a hit. I was just going to say that, too. He shied away from – That's I think one of the reasons why he couldn't catch the ball is just he was afraid it was going to hit him as soon as he made contact with the ball or even before. Or there's, a, there's, there's a Hall of Famer who, who didn't hit worth a damn. Uh-huh. His name is uh-huh. Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. That's right. The next time, uh-huh. the next time he hit somebody might be the first time. <laughs> Um, but we love you, Dion. Um, oh, Tom Perry was a great started. player, but he wasn't a physical player. No, he wasn't at all. He, he, there's plenty of tape to uh, as evidence to that. Uh, Adam Rank, who uh, is going to be a future guest here on the uh, Gabriel Talks Football Show, says that Valus Jones will be the Rookie of the Year. What do you think? Thoughts on that? I think that's way too early to to say that. I'll tell you that I'm sure you saw all the clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from yesterday, you know, there was a one where um, uh, Jalen Johnson has a um, breakup on a on a throw to Valus Jones, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and and I think Fishbane said, and this was the the great play that Johnson made. When I looked at that clip, the very first thing that came to my mind was he got beat. That was a bad throw. <laughs> You know, if that throw was where it was supposed to be, out in front of Johnson, Jalen, out in front of uh, Valus Jones, rather, Johnson never would have got his hand on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who, you know, who in that particular clip who was throwing the pass, but, you know, the pass was here instead of here. And mm-hmm. it was like an out type route. And so, you know, it, it, if you throw that where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and the difference might have been just a yard that play never gets made. Mm. Um, but just to pop to mind, what it showed is, yeah. is, is, is Jones' ability to separate. He had separation on that on that particular play. Mm-hmm. 
Um, padded practices don't start till late July. And uh, actually, that's probably not. I don't know what day camp opens, but you got to go through. They changed the rules this year. That's right. I forgot about that. We did. We did it the XFL, and and it's pretty good. We had a a four day ramping up period. I think the uh, NFL is going five days because mm-hmm. they got more time. Um, so your, your, your first five practices, you might put pads on mm-hmm. to get used to running around in pads. And I don't know what the rules are for that. Cause that's a new rule this year, but there's no contact. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much what you're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, and which results in poor tackling during the season and, and sloppy play. I think we, we can all agree that the quality of football has diminished in terms of some of the basics of the game, and that's because players aren't hitting, uh, and that's because the CBA has uh, limited the amount of padded practices and hitting. Uh, I, I'll tell you where I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Please. They change this. Really, isn't a bad rule. Don't forget now. These guys next week the offseason program's over, right? Okay, so <laughs> now they, they've got what six weeks, mm-hmm. five and a half weeks until camp starts. And I remember that you know when I was working for the Giants, first day of practice, first they did stretching, and as soon as they got done with stretching, Parcells had the Nutcracker grow. <laughs> The first morning of the first practice. That'll wake you up. <laughs> okay, well, now they got this this ramping up period. Yeah. Because theoretically, not, now, from a theoretical point of view, the players aren't under any supervision of coaches mm-hmm. for the, you know, after the program ends next week until training camp starts. Now, that doesn't mean they can't go into Hallis Hall and lift. Mm-hmm. And that does, and and the strength coach can work with them, but no position coach can work with them. Mm. That's totally off limits. Yeah. And uh, but you know if they want to go into Hallis Hall or go home to lift or whatever, you know that that's up to them. Now, sometimes there's some guys, and you find out when camp starts mm-hmm. who, who stayed in top shape and and who got a little lazy. Mm-hmm. And some teams, I don't know if the Bears are going to do it, they have a conditioning drill, and that's actually what they do the first day is a conditioning test. And if you don't pass the conditioning test, you can't practice. Yeah, that's right. Um, I recall. And I know they did that at the Colts, and, and Rusty Jones is at the Colts, and Jimmy's a, a, a protege of Rusty, so I assume that they're going to do that here. Mm-hmm. Well, it uh, – Eberflus has said that all of the players have showed up in good shape, uh, that they're running, uh, and uh, so he's seen no issues with that, and that is good news because you got a lot of hungry football players who want to impress and uh, and are hustling. So uh, that's well, good here's news. here's the other thing I want to mention. You know, they have this ramp up period, so in, in theory, it looks like well, you're taking away contact. Double sessions are back. Oh, okay. Okay, but. Now you you can't have I don't think you can have them two days in a row, but your second practice, it could be your first practice, however you set it up. One of those practices, no pads. Okay. So it's like a mini camp practice. And there's and it and it's you know not the time limit. You know, there's a there's a, a set time limit on that second practice, mm-hmm. but you still have, and I think that that was a 
you know, you always have give and take in these things, and the coaches wanted more practices. Mm-hmm. So they got more practices, but, you know, there's certain rules. You're not going to have – I mean, we used to have double sessions a lot. We, we had hitting in both practices. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now you're going to have – one's going to be like a mini camp practice, and the other's going to be a real practice. So let, uh, do you think, in, in your opinion, with the way the CBA has set things up uh, in terms of practices and the amount of hitting and the amount of pads and so forth, do you think we can get back to the NFL of old where, where we're seeing quality tackling? Here, here's the thing, the, the problem that I that I see. Who's ringing call? Oh, I don't know. Um it's that the and part of it's the coach's fault. Coaches will say it's a CBA, but reality, I think it's more on the coaches. The coaches don't do the tackling because they, they're afraid somebody's going to get hurt and they don't want to lose a key guy. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to lose them, I'm going to lose them in a game. Yeah, good point. Okay, now there there's things you can do to improve tackling without having real tackling. Mm-hmm. You know, on 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 using the stand-up dummies and things like that. It's, it's hitting them, wrapping them up, right. running through the person. Um, I, I think you can get by without all that, that tackling and practice. Now, one thing that I, it wouldn't shock me to see this year, I don't know if it'll carry over into next year, mm-hmm. but often in a head coach's first year at a place, that first camp is a physical son of a bitch <laughs> because he wants to find out who can play. Mm. And then once he finds out who can play, then he'll, you know, the next year he'll let up a little bit mm-hmm. because he'll already have the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I want to play one sound bite from Justin Jones on Justin Fields just to uh, collect these sound bites of how these players think about their franchise quarterback. He really loves the game of football. He has a commanding leadership on the field, you know, like a, like a legit field general. You know, he's getting guys lined up, telling guys where to go and stuff like that. And I feel like I feel like the pace of his game has up since last year. Obviously, you know, your first year going into your second year, your, 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 your speed of your game has, has has excelled a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel that way personally. And uh, I'm really excited for the season he's about to have because, uh, he, like you said, once once you've played your first year and you've seen the speed of the game and you've seen how guys are moving and you've seen how fast DBs close the window and you've seen how how, how fast receivers get uh, open up the window and stuff for you, like I'm, I'm excited for what he's about to show because he, he's a lot more comfortable now. Keep, we keep I like his yeah, isn't that a great answer? No, but all his answers have been good. Yeah, he has. He's a. I like Justin Jones a lot. The way he presents himself, his thought process, and so forth. And it's and it's great to hear player after player is basically saying the same thing about Justin Fields. He's a leader. He takes command. Um, he knows this offense. He's he's telling players and he's telling them in a professional way. You need to line up here. You need to do this. You need to do that. So that's encouraging. No, I, you know, we'll, we'll find out in another six weeks. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when the bullets fly, but it's, um, I think it's been all, all been positive, but I'm, you know, me, I'm, I'm always positive. The, the glass is always half full with me. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, there's been people in the chat room who have been saying that, that they really enjoy listening to you because uh, we get so much negativity on uh, some of the 
radio shows that are popular. Well, the writers, they're so damn negative. Yes, they are. Uh, Jordan has a question. What are your thoughts on Gibson moving back to 4-3 after having to adjust to 3-4? Any expected ramp-up period needed? Also, because he's a former outside linebacker, will he spot dropping on Will he spot dropping on fire zones? Well, I can't answer the last part of that because that, that's going to be up to how Flus is going to do things, you know, mm-hmm. within, within the, the framework of the, of the defense. I don't think for the edge guys, there's a big difference because you go back to last year and, and at least 75%, and I think it was over 80%, they were playing in sub package. Mm-hmm. which meant the two edge guys, whether it was Khalil Mack and Quinn or um, Gibson and whoever at Ochu last year before he got hurt, so those guys were playing defensive ends. Now, they might have been lined up on their feet, but they were playing at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're going to be more uh, three – you know, they have, have their, their hand in the dirt mm-hmm. than they did last year, but what they're being asked to do really, I'm, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Yeah. That, that I, I don't, I don't see the difference. I think, you know, I think people try to say there's a big change. It's not, but he, he, he because you go back and look at Tulsa tape, he played mm-hmm. on his feet in Tulsa. Mm. He played on his feet and he played with his hand in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends what was called on a particular play. Mm-hmm. He, uh, uh, Nomad, I think it was, uh, just said that, uh, or excuse me, uh, Matthew Fochizi just said it, that he thinks Gibson is going to have a breakout season. I tend to agree with him. I think that this defense could really suit him uh, very well and the, the type of aggressiveness that they're playing with. And the other guy that you love a lot, uh, Caleb Johnson, uh, I, I'm expecting big things out of him this season. I think he's going to challenge Morrow. Mm-hmm. Or, or he could be the Sam. Right. But the Sam's not going to play that much. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the other thing, as far as breakout for Gibson, mm-hmm. I thought he had a breakout last year. He played less than half the downs. He still had, what, seven and a half, eight sacks? Yeah. You look yeah. at his number of sacks per number of downs, mm-hmm. shit, that's way up here. <laughs> Great. Uh, Dwayne says, uh, on this defensive line, who is the guy you think might flourish the most in this new scheme? You know, I, I don't think I can answer that yet because we got to see live mm-hmm. contact. Uh, one name I think is going to jump out, I've been saying it all along. Is Mario Edwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, it would be interesting to. I, I, that's one of the first things I'm going to watch during preseason games is to see how much Edwards plays that three tech and and how effective he is because you've really been hyping him up now for weeks and uh, it, it'll be great to see him fulfill that promise. Um. <clears throat> Got another question here. Uh, Greg also asked, do you think this defense could potentially be a top 10 defense by the end of the season? Why not? Yeah, right not? Absolutely. Uh, you know, not a lot of difference, but the secondary is better than it was. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. on paper. 
Uh, And, you know, the the main person they lost was was Khalil Mack. Mm -hmm. But reality is Khalil missed a lot of time last year and the year before. You know, he only practiced about five times during the season the year before. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be uh, super effective that way, even if you're a superstar. <laughs> um, Nomad asks, uh, regarding Gibson, do you think he can be effective inside at times? You, you talked about earlier in the show about moving players uh, up up and down the defensive line. Is Gibson a guy that you could potentially you see? Know, that, that, that's a possibility because of how he was used in college. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I didn't think of it until you just presented it to me. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Muhammad, because I think Muhammad has lined up inside in in sub packages for the Colts. Yeah. Not a lot, but I think he's done it a few times. And, and, and you know, go back to what Flus, yeah, you played that clip, you know, with Flus a little while ago about he said, well, we're doing it on both sides of the ball, moving guys around. Mm-hmm. Seeing that certain guys can do, and and that could very well have been a situation too, where when they get to that sub package, uh, that Travis Gibson is is the guy who moves inside, not Al Qadeen Muhammad, because mm-hmm. you want you want to get your best pass rushers on the field, and mm-hmm. if you can get one of those defensive ends that can hold up for a short period of time inside, then by all means do it. Because, you know, it's, it's a chess game and that you want to attack the weak point of the offense with a strong point of your defense. And a lot, generally speaking, your interior offensive linemen are the weak point of the offensive line, mm-hmm. you know, as compared to the to the tackles and a lot. To, so you, you want to get – some pass rushers with a quickness that those guys don't normally see. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the advantages I think of this defense, Mm -hmm. because you don't have, you know, the elephants aren't playing in this game, Mm. you know, so you're playing with a lot more athletic, more quick guys. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, I think it makes it easier when you want to do a situation substitution it's easier to put a little bit smaller guy in there because he's going to create, you know, a disadvantage to the offense. You got a nice compliment from Dwayne Corey saying he could listen to you all day. And he says, you are the NFL. And so I'm headed over there to uh, take some pictures of you for some promotional stuff. So maybe I can submit a picture of you and the NFL will change their logo and have you on yeah, the logo yeah. like Jerry Watson for the NBA. What do you think? That'll be the day. Pepe <laughs> uh, Silva says, uh, "What were your what 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 did you think about Braxton Jones when he came out of the draft and you got a chance to look at some tape of him?" I I thought he was going to go in around the fourth round. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only reason being was that he was a you know really an FCS level kid, and but he he goes to the Senior Bowl. He more than held his own. So that's the first thing you look at. Okay, he's jumping up in competition. Mm-hmm. Can he play against the big boys and hold up? And he did. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you look at the the Bears' O line coach. 
when they asked him about him, the first thing he said, he's a natural pass protector. Hmm. That was the first thing out of his mouth. And what's the most important thing that a tackle has to do? It's pass protect. In this, in this NFL, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so he's got long arms. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like most college guys, especially guys coming from smaller programs, you got to get a little stronger. And, and his bench was fine. I think he did 24, 25 reps at, at the uh, combine, which means he's a 400-pound bencher, which is, you know, which is fine. But the power's down here. Mm-hmm. you know, in your hips and that's your hips, your thighs, your ass, you, you know, that that's the area that these guys got to really strengthen mm-hmm. coming from college into the pros and they will, and it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. You know, if, if he's conscientious in the weight room, it'll happen. He might get, you know, but since he started here until training camp, cause they're going to go home. I, you know, Jimmy's going to give them a, this is what you got to do. This is what mm-hmm. you're going to do every day. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday workout. They're going to have assigned workouts that they're going to do as far as lifting. And, um, you know, the guys that have that uh, want to to them, they're going to do it every day. And by all indications, Braxton Jones has that want to. All right, I want to close the show by talking about a different subject, uh, this uh, LIV golf tour, the Saudi-backed uh, uh, golf tour. There's been a lot of controversy behind it. Uh, you're one of the guys who feels like the, perhaps the media is being too harsh on the players who have elected to play in that golf tournament. Yeah, I, 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 it's like they're in that can, uh, cancel mode. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately is what, and I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on, that has been something that's been going on, say, the last four or five years that mm-hmm. I hate. And and I don't know if you saw the clip. It was on. I saw it on Twitter yesterday, and that's when I texted you. It was from Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. and he real did. You, did you see it? By the way, yes, I did. Yeah, I, great answer. Mm-hmm. Great answer. You know, and he just said, "Hey, look at. Am I going to do it? No." Mm-hmm. Do I like that they're doing it? Not necessarily, but it's their life. They can right. do whatever the hell they want to do. Right. They got to, and and that's what I think. Phil Mickelson's getting two hundred million dollars guaranteed. Mm-hmm. He's he's fifty one and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Where's he going to get that playing on the PGA Tour besides nowhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's made the second highest amount of money you know, earnings on the tour. And, and he's still like 30 million behind tiger mm-hmm. and he's 51. He's, he's never going to get that ever. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't he do it? Yeah. I, uh, I'm with you. It's a, it's there's a only, there's only one player on the PGA tour that in prize money has made a hundred million dollars. That's tiger woods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the PGA Tour is not happy. Uh, this just out. Uh, Why not? They, they suspended the, the guys who are playing the LA. I'll, I'll tell you what. Not, and mm-hmm. Greg Norman had a comment. And Greg Norman and some of these players that have have switched. And I don't care about the politics of Saudi Arabia because I'll tell you why. Do you know how much money they got invested in this country? Mm-hmm. And, and people don't care about it? So you're being hypocritical mm-hmm. 
if you're if, if you're talking about one particular thing because it might be hurting a sport that you like to watch. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's changing the game. But here's the reality. The reality is, and, and Greg Norman has said, and I'm not necessarily a Greg Norman fan, but he said, we got some damn good antitrust lawyers that are ready, you know, if these guys want to challenge the tour to be able to play on the tour, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that are willing to take up the fight. Well, go back now to the other sports. Has the players ever lost a free agency court fight? Hmm. No. Oh, yeah. Right. And I think if you you take when you look at the other sports, football, basketball, baseball, and now you bring in golf, mm-hmm. I don't think this tour's got a leg to stand on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting how that plays out, and we'll see. Well, just out of curiosity, what's your take? Well, you know, it, it is uh, it is a tough one. Um, you know, there have been players who have said no, like Jack Nicklaus uh, was offered a hell of a lot of money, and he, he was said, offered a hundred million dollars, right? And you know, he 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 felt a sense of loyalty to the PGA. He didn't mention anything about the politics involved. You know, f- most of us know that. But uh, here's here's the thing, and I, not that I'm interrupting you. Jack Nicklaus is the PGA Tour. Yeah. He is. He, he, right. he, he's won more majors than anybody else. Right. He's the guy that built the tour. Mm-hmm. You know him right. and Arnold Palmer. Right. Okay. And so I, 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 I see where Jack Nichols is coming. Plus, he's eighty something years old. <laughs> That's right. What's you he going to do? Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> and he's already as rich as he can be. What, <laughs> what's he want to tarnish his legacy for to get the, a, a pissing match? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not going to do it, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I don't, I don't blame him. But I'll tell you, see, there's a lot of pretty good players that were predominantly European Tour, which is now called the DP Tour, um, players that are playing in this thing. Mm-hmm. Lee Westwood um, and a bunch of these other guys—they're good, damn good players. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't think the the European tour has said these guys can't play in European tour events. Mm-hmm. It's the PGA said they can't play in PGA tour events. Right, right. But the PGA does not control the majors. Oh, that's right. You know, so that like the U.S. Open said – these guys, if they qualify, they, they can play. Mm-hmm. And the British Open is really part of the the, the European tour. And mm-hmm. the European tour has, as far as I know of, I think there's a, at least four events that are played in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, you know, buck anything. Mm. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing that is troublesome is we know about the political aspects as nomad said we know that the head of their monarchy did hack up an american journalist and you know morality uh is is different for different people you know and it's like a picasso painting it's all over the place it can be interpreted many different ways I probably, if I was a professional golfer making a good living on the PGA, I would probably say no to that just out of a sense of morality, but I wouldn't uh, at all complain about any other player who accepted an offer to play over there. 
that's that's their business you know this is we have to value diversity uh and while we may not understand some choices we have to respect them i I think that's pretty well said right there you know each person has the right really to do what he thinks is right for him Mm -hmm. now probably the biggest loss to the tour it's not phil mickelson phil mickelson's like i said he's He'd be playing more on the senior tour than he would on the uh, <laughs> That's right. on the regular tour. By the way, did you see how much? Did you see any recent pictures of him? No, he looks like he looks like he's lost thirty pounds. Well, good for him. I mean, his face is a lot thinner. I know. Over the last ten years, he's really worked on. Yeah, but I mean, pictures just from the last couple of days well, looks like he's he's his face is a lot. Thinner. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that, and, and then they had some, he had a suit on and, and stuff, but he looks a lot trimmer than he was, you know, the last time we saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, uh, oh, I, f- I forgot what my point was regarding uh, all of this money. Um, ah, it'll come to me and we'll share it on a future show. Any other last thoughts that you have for our Well, followers? one of, I'll tell you, there's a name I saw last night that could be a, a shock name that goes to the next event, which is actually in the United States. I think it's in Portland, Oregon. And that's um, Brooks Kepka. Okay. Excellent. And his, bro- his brother's already, his younger brother's already playing mm-hmm. on the LIVA tour. And and there are strong, now, the DeChambeau mm-hmm. ha- has left. And there's rumor Ricky Fowler's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, these are are good names, and mm-hmm. so that's why I think this is, you know, this is a lot bigger challenge to the PGA Tour than they ever thought it was going to be. They thought when they put their foot down a few months ago that nothing was going to happen, and they were wrong. Yeah. Well, and that's probably why the PGA has now suspended these players. They're trying to stop this, and so that's probably the what the only the only card they had to play. I don't think it's going to stop them. I, I really don't because hey, although if somebody comes up to you and says I, I, I'm going to give you uh, instead of working for the barroom network, I'm going to give you you know <laughs> twenty million to work for the Saudi podcast. Yeah. You know, damn, damn well you're taking the money and run. Uh, no comment. Uh, yeah, don't tell me that. Don't comment. Uh, sign me up. Sign me. <laughs> Twenty million. Where, 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 where do I sign? I, I'm gonna be a grandfather soon. That, oh, that Twenty million. I mean, people people, people might want to. You know, people might want to. You know, criticize me. I don't care. I just. You know, people are. If somebody wants to do something, go ahead and do it. I don't really care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and you know, and, and usually I think I got pretty good morals, but I'm not going to criticize somebody for doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, and, and like I said earlier, the morality can be interpreted in so many different ways. And the fact is that uh, the U.S. government does a lot of business, as you said, Greg, uh, with the uh, Saudis. And so it starts at the very top. If you want really want, want to set an example, then 
call your politician and say, let's stop doing business and then watch the oil prices no, go Oh, they are, quote, an ally. Right. That's right. A lot of people are upset about uh, gas prices, but also uh, support uh, uh, the U.S. government helping the Ukrainians against Russia. Well, you know what? Uh, the, part of the reason the gas prices are so high is because we're not accepting foreign oil from uh, from Russia anymore, and so that affects the gas price. So you can't complain about the gas price without saying, you know, you you support what, what, if you're saying let's support the Ukrainians in their fight. So it's 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 complex uh, and uh, better left for smarter people than us. And by now, everybody who's listening is turned off because of that. I don't want to hear that shit. But. Yeah, I see, I see our numbers dropping like uh, like the temperature in December. <laughs> our numbers are going lower. Okay. Um, but really, any final thoughts? Next week, the Bears have a mandatory workout, so everybody's got to show up. Do you have any concerns about players potentially not showing up, or what are you looking forward to most? No, in I don't mandatory? think anybody's in a contractual situation where they would try to use that, you know, to, uh, to make a statement. Yeah, I agree. That, that, that's a good thing. Are you, I think that their, their overall attendance has been pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned about the Roquan contract situation? No. Good. They, number one, they can always tag them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about that doggone tag. Uh, it's expensive, but uh, no, uh, I don't know if it's that bad for a linebacker. For oh. you know, um, you know, and it depends. You know where he plays this year. If mm -hmm. he's the 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 will of the mic could have. You know, I I, I got to look into that because there's you know it, it's the tag has to do with position, mm -hmm. and and so. Do they have Wills and Mike's grouped as inside linebackers? I, that, I don't have the answer to that. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I am uh, headed over to Greg's to take some photographs of him. Well, oh, stay on. I got to tell you how to get here. Yeah. No, no swimsuit uh, uh, photos, okay? This is going to be That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for Greg Gabriel, my name is Aldo Gantia. We'll see you next week. Uh, what, what, what do you want to do next week? Maybe Thursday again after we've gotten most of the mandatory uh, practices out of the way? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, pencil in. Um, now, let me, let me ask you this. Do you want to um, bring in our friend from the NFL Network next week or do you want to wait? Uh, let's wait another week. Okay, because, I mean, I told him 15 minutes. Yeah. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, that'd be fun. He's a he's a great guy, funny guy, and a huge Bears fan. Yep. We're talking about Adam Rank, by the way. So um, we will see you all next week, and uh, all of these programs are on demand. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm putting together an ad, Greg, where people can access easily access all of your previous shows because I know you got a growing and growing fan base uh, – for this podcast and everything that you really do, all your guest appearances on other shows and so forth. So I'm trying to uh, make them easily accessible to people. So that will be ready soon. I better uh, hire Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, you better. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, for Greg Gabriel, I'm Aldo Gandhi. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>